have a lovely message this morning, not that long, it's important, and it's entitled very simply, Making a Difference. Making a Difference. It's very important, I think, to challenge ourselves. Amen. As Christians, it's very important that you and I continuously ask ourselves this question. Are we making a difference? Are we a light upon the hill that we're supposed to be? There was one pastor in his church, he sat all the staff down, he asked them this question, he said, if we as an organization cease to exist right now, will there be any difference in our community? <laughs> God, a question, isn't it? If we were not here, would anybody note? And that's a question I think you and I have to continually ask ourselves, because you see, Christianity is not just about you and I. It starts with us, obviously, but it's not just about us. It's about reaching the lost. Let's go to the Gospel of John. I'm just going to read first 13 verses of chapter 6. It's a story we know so well. It's about the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. But there's an angle I'd like to take this morning that struck me last night as I was just looking at this scripture and thinking about it. So we're going to the Gospel of John chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. There a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and here he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we have bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000. Can I tell you something? If you have to feed 5,000 people, ask me. That is daunting. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were full, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets, fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus had said, this is truly the prophet who is coming to the world. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us to understand it better today. Thank you that no unclean spirit can stop this word from changing us and making us more like you, which is our heart's desire. We thank you for that now, in your precious name. Amen. Quite a story, isn't it? I mean, we try to feed the 100 people, 150 people, my goodness me. It's a logistical challenge, let me put it that way. With Janet's part, you've got to feed about 60 people. I'm cooking now already. I'm just trying to find freezer space. We put all these big cartons in full of lovely food. That's 60 people. It's a logistical challenge. Imagine 5,000. Good grief. This is quite a challenge. But anyway, he did it. Now, what I wanted to share is this, making a difference. 
I found this passage rather interesting because what did the disciples say? We have a lad here. Now a lad, for your information, is a young boy. I don't know what age a lad would be. Maybe about 13, I'd say, on average, 12 or 13. Here's a lad with a bit of food. And you think, I don't know if you're supposed to do this with the Bible. Are you allowed to ask yourself, what if? Are you allowed to ask yourself, what if? Why not? Why not? I suppose you <laughs> What if? But now let me think about it this way. What if the lad was somebody like me? Under no circumstances am I sharing my lunch with you turkey muffins. Amen. If you haven't had the understanding to come with food, don't look to me. Now, if he had said that in his heart and run off like some of us would have, no fingers pointing at anybody because he's too pointing at me, around the corner and helped himself, God would have been a bit stuck, wouldn't he? Because the strange thing is he needed something to multiply. Does that make sense to you? It's amazing, isn't it? In every situation, there's something that God requires before he can act. On this occasion, he had lots of people to feed, but he needed something. And thank God that something was there. Wouldn't you agree that that little lad made a difference? Now listen, here's something else I want to put in your thinking. As a lad, if he's anything like our lad, automatically before he goes off, put himself and food together. What I'm trying to say is, very often a lad goes up and doesn't think ahead, does he, Norman? Not many do. What I'm trying to say is that there's a possibility that guess who packed him his lunch? His mother. Can I ask you a question? That day, did his mother make a difference? Can you imagine? This mother putting some food together for her child, did it cross her brain that what I'm doing now will not only feed over 5,000 people, but it will be used as a mighty example, it will be recorded in scripture, and it will affect humanity for the rest of the world's life. Did that cross your mind? Yeah. Yeah. You see, what I'm trying to get at here is this. Making a difference is not necessarily becoming a great politician. It can be that. We can make a difference every day. Every day. Now, there are more than one way to make a difference, and I'm just going to talk about four of them this morning. I'm sure there are others can make a difference in the lives of people we meet every day. I'm sure you understand that. It's a, a wonderful thing when you and I come across somebody, be it in the shop or anywhere, and we just do something that will change their life. You see, we went to feed these people. Now, I know that we didn't give them a great, wonderful meal. That I know we didn't change their lives forever. I know possibly that, well, who knows, but... You understand, it was a brief meeting of a few seconds, each one rushing to work, but at least they had a healthy apple to eat. At least they had some warm chip to put in their stomach. And I could see on many of their faces, gratitude, a smile, you see. So you see, you and I can do that. We can, wherever we are, and it's very important. Challenge ourselves all the time. You see, this making a difference is not something that we decide, okay, today I'm going to make a difference. You understand? That mother didn't wake up in the morning and say, I think today I will make a difference. I will give my son some lunch. She didn't do that. You understand? It's something she did naturally. And what I'm trying to encourage all of us to realize is that, you see, making a difference is not so much an isolated act here and there. It's a spirit. It's an, an attitude of heart. 
Amen? And I'm just challenging all of us here to move towards having that sort of attitude. Amen? Myself as well. I look back and I can remember on occasions I could kick myself. There was a golden opportunity to do something for somebody. Have you ever had that? It's a regret. I remember at school, we was at a boarding school, and we used to walk to the dining hall over there from all the other houses, and we had to cross this road, because the school was spread over a number of roads in that area. And we were all lining up there to go to breakfast, and these two little girls came riding on their bicycles. Can you imagine how traumatic it must be for a schoolgirl, two of them at an age of maybe nine, 13, on their bicycles, and you've got all these hundreds of boys and grown-up boys, and you've got ride past. Can you imagine? It's quite traumatic with you. I think overcome by the shock of this, what happened is one of the little girls fell off her bicycle. She fell off her bicycle. And to my shock, can I tell you what happened? Not one of all those boys standing there, myself included, had the decency of heart to go and help her and help her on the way. It's shocking, isn't it? That school had such a horrible spirit of criticism that if you had done something like that, everybody would have sort of laughed at you. But to this day, I regret not being man enough to actually do something. It was an opportunity to help somebody. You understand? I'm sure we all have occasions like that. But what I'm trying to encourage us is to have an attitude which, you see, in any situation, we automatically look for needs that other people might have. Because, you see, when you and I meet a need, we actually make a difference. Amen? This dear friend of ours, hearing about my wife's birthday party, she saw a need, did something about that need, and made a big difference. Amen? I'm just encouraging us, in the everyday affairs of life, when we come across people, don't have the attitude, well, what can I get out of it? That's what I enjoy about feeding those people. For once, in their whole day, Somebody is saying to them, yes, something we just want you to have. Don't anything from you. Can you see? That, that is the attitude, brothers and sisters, that makes a difference. When we want to bless people for no other reason. And can I just say something? When you and I bless people, don't think, don't think that they're going to turn out and say, oh, wonderful you. You understand? I mean, we told every single person, please don't throw your cup on the floor. Please, just, it's for free, but please just put this cup in a dustbin. We spent half an hour afterwards trailing down there, picking up this massive trail of cups. Now, if you're right there, you and I can get critical. Amen? So, well, you know, really. But that's not the nature of God. I'll share with you a story. On occasions, I like to, if I'm standing in the queue and somebody is next to me, behind me, that I can see is backing to put a few cents together to buy something. I very often say, well, let me just include it in the book. So I like to do that. The other day, I was accosted by one of these guys who wanted to uh, want his money from me. But you know what? He had a packet of cigarettes. And you know what rose up in my heart? I said, you know what? I'm not going to give you any money because you're wasted on cigarettes. Oh, I walked past. I think I even saw. Shocking me. You think God led me to heaven? That was the one occasion when I got back to the car a small cell phone had been stolen out of my car. You know what I felt? God was speaking to me. And he was saying to me, listen, whatever you do, don't judge. Don't judge. And you know what happened just the other day? There was this guy in the bar there. 
And I think his bill was about 37 rand. And he had a few little items, and I thought, let me just do this again. Because he was one a labourer, obviously. And I just said to the lady, please, just put it into my book. That happened. And he walked off. And now I saw, I saw that I just bought a whole lot of cigarettes. But now, hold up. Wait a moment. Immediately, the Holy Spirit said to me, I taught him a lesson. Don't judge. And can I tell you something? As I walked out of the spa, there he was. And he just said to me, God bless. And he was sincere about this. What am I saying? You know, you and I, we can get so judgmental and so critical of other people and we start putting conditions on what we will do if they will, sort of thing. That will destroy making a difference. Amen? It will destroy making a difference. Can I encourage you and I, have a heart attitude that God would have to bless anyway. Amen? To bless anyway. That makes a difference. All right. So that's the occasion when we meet people in the road. But let me just say, to make a difference, remember Jesus, the people he met, he made a difference in everybody's life. But he made a big difference in the life of people that he walked and walked with. Amen? Yes, we meet people and they are strangers. We can bless them. That's wonderful. But we can make a bigger difference in people that we walk in a walk with. It's a different approach. It's a different approach. Amen? It's not just occasional. Imagine if we thought we're doing Timothy, a great blessing. Oh, we've made you breakfast. You understand? It's a different approach. When we're walking a walk with people, we can make a great difference. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He made a great difference. But there's a few areas I'd like to just challenge you now with to make that big difference. All right? And I'd just like to put it this way. If you and I want to make a difference in people that we are walking a walk with, let me put it that way, there are a few things you and I can do. Number one, Dare enough to listen. Amen? Dare enough to listen. Can I just say this? Most people have got problems that you and I are not supposed to solve. Very often we have this attitude, oh, because I'm a Christian, I must be able to solve all your problems. Well, can I just say that if you have that attitude, you find people that you get close to that, well, now when's he going to start going at me again? <laughs> when we meet people, the starting point is what? Really take time to listen. You and I can make a great difference in people's lives. We just have the patience, the time to really listen. And not just listen superficially. You know what I'm talking about. There's a difference between listening on the outside and listening on the inside. I know when somebody's really listening. And when they're not listening, what happens? We just clam up, isn't it? And the conversation goes on a very superficial level, and we're not really making a difference. Amen. So be careful of that. Let's take time to listen. Care enough to listen. Can I say something else? Care enough to pray. You can make the greatest difference in a person's life if you care enough to pray for them. I've said this before. I stand here as a minister of the gospel, you might say, all because an elderly lady, my grandmother, Agnes Bryan, a devout Methodist lady, when I was a child, she was on her knees and she prayed. She prayed. She prayed. And not only her, there's another lady. I'll just tell her her name. Her name was Janneke Tissink. She was the girlfriend of one of my university friends. I'll tell you his name and you'll laugh even more. He was Angelo Grazioli. <laughs> he was Italian and she was Dutch. Can you imagine an Italian and a Dutch lady getting it together? But... There they were, that she loved God. And I was a raw, rough, 
reprobate student, mouth like the backside of a cow, mind like a sewer. I mean, really, dear God, I was terrible, terrible. Most people would have looked at me who were Christians and shook their head. Thank God, my son is not like him. Amen. <laughs> but can I just say something? Danica Tessig had love in her heart, and she prayed. I know she prayed. And because of that, God is able to save me. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? She cared enough to. She made a big difference. She made a big difference. Don't be put off by people's exterior. Can I just say that? Can I just say, there's nobody beyond God's grace. Nobody. Amen. Is that right, Pastor Buti? No one is beyond His grace. Amen. So we need to have that in our heart and pray. There's nothing God cannot do if you and I care enough to pray. Can I just share something else? To make a difference in someone's life, care enough to give them space to use their gift. Amen. Care enough to give them space. You see, us Christians, and I include myself, we're so anxious to do everything. I call it the Mother Teresa syndrome. I'm not saying that Mother Teresa wasn't a great woman, but we try and be Mother Teresa to every single person that we come across. Very often what people need is space to exercise their gift. I think of the one occasion when the Lord Jesus asked somebody for something. Can you tell me any other scripture in the Bible where the Lord Jesus said, give me this, give me that? Apart from telling his disciples to go and get his brand new car for it, apart from that, there's no other occasion when he came into somebody's presence and wanted something for him. Right. It just doesn't happen there. Except one occasion that women by the well. Remember her. He said, draw some water and give me something to drink. But you see, even then, what does he do? He was breaking down a whole cultural divide and he was allowing this woman to do something that would start a conversation. Can I just say, very often, if you and I want to make a difference in a person's life, give them the space to use the gift that they have. It draws something out of them. Amen? It draws something out of them. I know the story of Kenneth Hagin. You might have heard of him. A great man of God. He had developed his faith to such a degree. He was a very powerful man of God. And he used to have faith conventions in his organization. And very often what would happen, he'd have these faith conventions and you know what would happen? He would sit on the stage with other men of God and the whole convention, he would say nothing. That's unusual, isn't it? In this day and age, everybody wants to present their dear old selves. You see? But what is he doing? He's giving young men of God a chance to come up, you see? Giving them space. No space. And that changed a lot of people's lives, you know, for a fact. Amen? So, you know, I believe we must care enough to give people space. Amen? We must care enough to give people space. Well, that's walking a walk with people. Alright, but there's another area where you and I can really make a difference. And that is when you and I stand up for what is right. Amen? In our society, we can really make a difference when we have the courage to stand up for what is right. Can I tell you, our age, I was listening to the President of the United States of America, and he was talking to the nation and he was boasting about what they had achieved, and what he had achieved was actually a calamity spiritually. From a biblical perspective, a total calamity. And here he was saying that this was some great achievement, and I could see the man completely, totally twisted, gone the way of the world system, saying things like, we have to give space to people of faith. And I said, well, what about you? Aren't you a person of faith? Because he claimed to be a person of faith when he went elected for office. You understand? I mean, 
really confused. But you see, it takes a lot of courage in this day and age to stand up for what is right. And you see, there's an attitude if you and I want to make a difference. Please, we've got to do it the right way. This sex bow that Janet's going to go to with all these people to try and help these people. There's another organization. And you know what? This organization stays on the outside and condemns everybody coming and warns them, don't go there. You see? Now, they might think, well, we're standing up for what is right. But you see, sometimes you and I can stand up for what is right in a way that is actually offensive to people. Can I just say this? Standing up for what is right is something we do in a quiet and forceful way. And can I tell you something? The moment you and I start to have that attitude and do it, we make a big difference. The great example that comes to mind is Martin Luther. Remember him? He was a Catholic priest at one stage. Did you know that? And he was a Catholic priest in an age where the priests were going around and saying to people, if you want forgiveness, you have to buy from me. They called an indulgence. Can you believe that? I think I should try that, don't you? Who sinned the biggest? Okay, yours is a thousand rand. <laughs> I'll give you one cheap discount. Can you imagine man trying to give forgiveness for money? So you see, person like Martin Luther in his spirit, he realized, this is wrong. This is wrong. Anyway, he studied his Bible, he prayed, he did everything he could, and eventually he wrote what they called the 91, I think it is, he wrote it, stuck it on the wall, knocked a piece of paper on the wall, all the things that he said were not right that were going on in the church. And it started a great movement. The Catholic Church responded, they said, we'll meet with you. So he went to one of these meetings, I don't know who it was, he met one of the cardinals, whatever, and he was hoping that they'd listen to what he had to say and maybe be reasonable about it and organize some change. You know what happened? Correct me if I'm wrong, but these are the facts that I understand. The cardinal said to him, okay, well, it's very simple. When we solve the problem, all you have to do is recant. Get on your knees before me and recant. You know what that means? Everything I believe is rubbish. Just like that. That's what you must do and everybody's happy. But you know... Martin Luther said no. He stood up for what was right. Because of that, risky life, but it sparked a great revival. The Reformation fires burned, as you know. To this day, you and I are sitting here as a large result of that. Can I tell you? It made a difference. It made a difference. But you see, we don't have to be Martin Luther necessarily. Where you and I are in the classroom, at university, in the workplace. Amen? Make a difference. You know what you do? You stand up for what is. Right. I was at a school there, Master Hayton, I discovered. Every year they used to have what they called a beer festival to raise money. And I went there the first time, it was a raging success. I think they raised about 95,000 men. I was just joined the school after it had this. They were all raving about this wonderful beer festival. And then the next year it came around, and of course the staff all asked to help out. And everybody says, I oh, will do this. And Graham puts his hand down at this deadpan look. And by that, the headmaster recognized he's going to do nothing. Apart from the logic of it, because he said to us, well, look, if you work at the beer festival, we raise extra money and we can give you a bonus at the end of the year. I thought, come on, I've got to work for the weekend so I can get paid at the end of the year, maybe. But apart from that, my thinking was, here we are, if a kid comes to school drunk, you know what? His life isn't worth living from then on. He's banned from just about everything. And yet, at the same time, guess what? What are we teaching them? What are we teaching them? It's wrong. 
You see, it's wrong. I didn't shout out, oh, you people, go to hell. Just kept quiet, and I was just passive resistance, you understand? Not going to help. Well, can I tell you what happened that year? The thunder and the lightning struck. The tent pole collapsed. Somebody got injured. They called the whole thing off. So you see, my benefit was I could get some spirits to half price. So they tried to sell what they had made. So you see, a benefit. Now the next year comes around, and what happens? Oh, we're going to have the beer festival, you see. Beer fest, that's right. So guess what? Who's going to help? Graham, headmaster, but it goes ahead. Guess what happens? Another storm, another calamity. Somebody got injured. They canceled it from there on. And the headmaster didn't love me from that day for, what am I saying? Did I change the world? No, but I made a stand, right? I made a stand. And can I tell you, the teachers realized that. They recognized that they had a problem with somebody that had a, a clear record, as it were. All right, but that's me. You and I, to make a difference, be prepared to stand up for what is right. Will you be unpopular? Yes. But at the end of the day, if you and I don't do it, what's going to happen? This world is going to continually go to the dogs. All right. So we can make a difference by simply saying no to what is wrong. Possibly, I'd just like to mention very briefly in closing, you and I can make a big difference when we answer our call. I mean, everyone has got a call on their life. Did you know that? Every single one of us has got something specific that God wants you and I to do. And can I just say this? The moment you and I hear that call and we respond to it, that is when you and I make a great, great difference. I heard a beautiful testimony the other day. I was chatting to an evangelist who goes all over the Middle East, etc. works with an organization that does such a lot of evangelistic work and he's so excited about what's going on in the world. You and I always hear the bad news about the Middle East, etc. And I think this took place in Lebanon, if I'm not mistaken. There was a missionary who was there running a church and then in the middle of the night, there was a knock on the door. And three bearded men with Valentravis came in and they shot him stone dead right there. Poof. That's terrible. Anyway, news of the spread around the church. And then another young man, I think it was in America, God said to him, I want you to replace him. How would you like that? <laughs> How would you like to go to a place where the man before you had a knock on the door, three men appear, Muslims, with beards and balaclavas, shoot you stone dead, and that's it. But he answered the call. Did you know that? He answered the call. Now listen to this. This is where it gets exciting. He goes, he sets up, he carries on. Guess what? In the middle of the night, knock on the door. Three men, Muslim beards, balaclavas. They don't shoot him. They put a sack over his head. They bind him with behind his arms, and they take him, put him in the boot of a cock, and they ride off. And he's thinking to himself, oh my goodness, this is going to be public execution or worse. It must have been really, really nerve-wracking, don't you think? I'm sure he's rededicated, got worn out. I dedicate my heart. And then they march him into some place and they take the hood of him. And there's, I said, about 600 of these people, all Muslims, bearded men. And so, oh my goodness, now what? Do you know what they said to him? Do you know what they said to him? They said, every single one of us in this room has had a dream. Everyone has had a dream. And in that dream, we were told by God that we have blood on our hands and we want you to tell us how to get rid of it. you think he was positioned to make a difference? Yes, he was. But you see, before he could make a difference, what did he have to do? He had to answer the call. You understand? He had to answer that call. He had to answer the call. 
came to the place where he said, God, your call on my life is more worth to me than my life. And the moment you and I make that kind of decision, guess what? God can use us powerfully to make a great difference. Pastor Butchie, go into the hospital. Answer the call. Is it nice to get up at half past five in the morning and go to a hospital with all that sickness and disease? And Look, our hospitals now, I mean, when we took Tim to this other place, it was like the gates of hell. People there milling around, waiting for some form of help, whatever, and many of them in critical condition. It's really, really a difficult situation. And the need, I know the need is horrific. But you see, because he's answered the call, he's positioned to do what? Make a big difference. A big difference. I went to the hospital. I used to go quite regularly, and I believe God telling me to go again. And I'm planning to, at the right moment, to go there. Can I just share this testimony? It's a small thing, but to me it was a big thing. I was at Claudia's birthday party. She had it at this park. And there was a lady there who was just doing an entertainment thing with the children. And we remembered her from the early days because she was actually Timothy's nursery school teacher. That's how I recognized her. After the whole party was over, she was standing by with a jumping car. I remember that. She said, Graham, I want to talk to you. And because she was a nursery school teacher, I thought, oh no, here we go. I'm going to get it from this teacher again. You see, pitched up there and she said, I just want to tell you something. I just want to tell you something. When you were in the hospital, you prayed for my daughter. You prayed for my daughter. I couldn't remember it. To this day, I don't even know what she looks like. The occasion passes me completely by because I prayed for everybody that was there. But she said, what you don't know is that my daughter was in and out of hospital with this allergy that no doctor could fix. Didn't have any answer for it. But after you prayed, she said to me, Mom, as soon as you prayed for me, I know I was healed. She was discharged from the hospital, never went back again. Never went back again. Amen? Praise God. Now please, please, we give God the glory. But let me just say something. God wanted to do that all the time. He wanted to make a difference, a big difference in a young girl's life. Amen? But somebody had to answer the call. Another time, I'll just share this with you as well. It's so beautiful to me. I was minding my business in the supermarket at the spa, paying my money, and this woman came to me. She said, can I talk to you? I mean, maybe I've done something wrong. And she said, you won't remember me. Next to you was this little light. It was about eight or nine. It was crisp, you know what I mean, healthy and strong. She said, you won't remember this, but there was a time in hospital. There was a time in hospital. When the doctor said, your child doesn't have much hope to survive. And then she said, a kind man came and prayed. And from that moment, he was totally healed and look at him today. And I said, well, that's lovely. Said, you know what? That kind man was you. That's awesome, isn't it? Can I just say, at the time, I didn't think, oh, God sent me to save this child. Didn't cross my mind. Just another child. But you know what? That made a difference. But you see, before I could make a difference, what had to happen? I had to answer a call. Going to hospitals is not an easy thing. Amen. Praise God. So I'm just encouraging every one of us here. Let's be people. Amen. Can you just decide, I'm going to be a person that's going to make a difference? It starts an attitude of heart. It starts by saying, it's not about me. It's not about my little world. It's about those around me. Having a heart that wants to Help other people. Look for a need. That's what we need. An 
attitude that looks for the need. And there are plenty of needs out there. Can I tell you? There are plenty of needs. We have to cultivate and, and something that's ongoing. Brothers and sisters, I find myself so easily getting into this mold of honey rush and it's all about what I'm doing, me, me, me. It just takes one little incident and you go, oh, I'm missing it. Maybe today is that incident. Let's break out of the mold. Get on with our business, yes. Do it as well as we can, yes. But all the time, as we meet people, as we meet people, have an attitude, raise the need. Yeshua met everybody at their point of need. And he realized everybody's need was different. Amen. Zacchaeus in the tree, what was his need? To have fellowship with somebody. Somebody respect him. That's what he, what he was crying for. And he gave it to him. And what happened? The man, life changed. Made a big difference in his life. Hear me today? All these people that are around us, don't look at them as a burden, look at them as an opportunity. Situation that you and I can make a difference in people's lives. And I'm just going to pray that every one of us here, this week at least, will make a great impact on people's lives. Not just the foreigners that we meet, the strangers, but in our families as well. Take time to listen. Give room. Help people. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We just thank you that you've placed us on this earth for a purpose. We ask you, Lord, that by your grace we might fulfill that purpose in meeting the needs around us, Lord, and in so doing, making a difference. I pray, Lord, that every one of our lives, when we look back, will be able to say to you, yes, we made a difference. Thank you, Lord, for your life. Amen.